Happy Halloween, everybody. I am Dom, here with my co-host, RB. This is Top of the List. What's up, RB? How's it going? Spooky hello, everybody. Happy Halloween, indeed. Um, definitely, for those of you longtime listeners, as you know, one of Dom's favorite times of the year, not one of mine. Um, <laughs> so we're going to come at you guys with a review this week of something that... I think is some Halloween fun for the whole family. And Dom, you want to kick it off on what we're reviewing this week? Yeah, we're going to be talking Goosebumps here in our... I guess we've done two or three different Halloween-themed episodes on top of the list. This is our finale releasing right on Halloween, the night before Halloween. And um, we want to talk about something fresh, something new. We talked about Haunted Mansion, if you want to go check that out. That came out a few months ago. We talked about Only Murders in the Building. That one came out a little while back. That was another recap review. Let's talk about something current going on right now. We're smack dab in the middle. I think, RB, we should start off by talking about this. Goosebumps uh, just released episode 7 upon recording on the night of the 30th before Halloween. And... um, this is a very good show to be coming out during Halloween, but I'm a little disappointed, like I'm sure you are, RB, that we don't have the complete season quite yet as of Halloween night. Yeah, I think this was a little bit poorly planned by... And this is a, a show, if I'm not mistaken, released on both Disney Plus and Hulu simultaneously. Right. A little bit disappointed with the planning. Um, wish it would have been released, like we said, planned out better to be released on Halloween or the week of Halloween, maybe give us a couple of episode drops rather than once a week or start it earlier. Um, Because, yeah, I think by the time we hit this finale, we're going to be on Thanksgiving season and it's not really going to fit the theme. Right. Um, But I think Hulu, Disney, whoever made this decision took a gamble that this was going to be a good show that was going to get viewers in anyway. Um, And I think so far they've, they've done a pretty decent job. Yeah, I've... I actually have a lot of positive things to say as far as this okay. being a Disney production. Um, you know, there is our classic. We have some classic horror tropes, spooky stuff tropes, classic teen um, environment tropes, like being a part of a high school. Of course, stuff we've seen before. But one thing mm-hmm. I do have to say that I love about this show is the way they've connected these R.L. Stein novels into one big yeah. storyline and one thing i have to say rb disney does know how to do it they know how to do it after us being disappointed with ahsoka after us dis- being disappointed with a few other um uh disney properties that uh they know how to make a good television show that leaves you with a nice cliffhanger leading into the next episode i felt after pretty much all of these episodes at the end i felt like okay Boom, that's great. Let's go into the next one. This is another good uh, television show that has a good uh, sense of the flow, like a good, uh, yeah, good good flow, basically. I, I, I agree to a point. Now, I'm going to just give one caveat here. I'm pretty sure this isn't actually Disney who produced this show. This is a okay. Sony television production. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, it says at the so, beginning. Yeah. yeah. At the beginning, yeah, but it is obviously distributed by Disney Plus and Hulu. That being said, yes, I think that is where this show thrives. Um, I personally don't 
love this show. I don't hate this show. It's a it's a good show, but where it does thrive is every episode does leave you wanting more. I, at no point have I ever said, oh, I don't want to watch this. There, there have been some moments in the middle of episodes where I've grown and said, oh, really, they're doing that? But I will say, like you said, Dom, I think they definitely have a hook at the end of every episode that keeps the viewer locked in, even more so to the point where I'm a little disappointed that by Halloween they couldn't wrap it up because, again, I'm waiting another week for, for an episode that I'm excited to see, but, you know, I have to wait. So overall, I'm getting the sense you're saying the word good. Does this mean you're going to give this a 7 out of 10, or where do you sit on our rating scale so far? As it stands right now, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Now, obviously, okay. the show is incomplete. I think it may have some wiggle room to get to that 7.5 range. I don't think it's given me anything to call it a great television show. But again, it's good. It's enjoyable. I'm not regretting watching it. It fits the season, absolutely. So yeah, about a 7 out of 10 right now. With some wiggle room to go up, obviously some wiggle room to to sink down. But right now I'm right on that good range. I I think that I was was right there with you, RB. Episodes 1, 2, 3, and 4... I was like, yeah, this is a good show. I'm having a great time watching it. You know, I, I don't – there's nothing, like, egregiously bad about it that I feel myself saying, oh, this is really a poor choice. No, I, I felt like it was a good show, enjoyable. I was into it. And then we get to episodes, like, I want to say around 5, 6, and 7. For me, they really kicked it up a notch there. I think specifically episode 6 is my favorite episode of the whole show and um, I did enjoy Seven, which was the most recent one as well. But I, that kind of made me kick it up a notch. I'm I'm approaching an eight here for sure. Depending on how okay. episodes eight, nine, and ten go, I could definitely give this an eight. A great show. Um, uh, but yeah, so but yeah, I, I think we should start off by talking about episode one. Then we'll go through you know two, three, four, five, six, seven. So let's talk about our our premiere. I thought this was a good start for our show. Good premiere. To me, this is is absolutely, by and large, to me, the best episode of this show. Episode one was an excellent hook point for me. I love this episode. And this is what got me locked in for this show. I knew you would love it. I thought this gave me Twilight Zone vibes, which I love. I love the camera that predicts a few. It's straight out of Twilight Zone. In fact, there may have been, yeah. you know, it reminded me of the the TV the episode of the Twilight Zone where the TV can predict the future, um, which is probably one of my all-time favorite Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah. I love this episode. I thought this was an absolute standout episode. I love the open, first of all. I love the introduction, yes. the flashback sequence of... Um, I'm blanking on, on our Biddle. character's name. B- Biddle, yep. Uh-huh. And, Harold you know, Biddle. sort of his tragic end and then having to piece together how this is all going to tie together i thought this was an excellent first episode and a huge huge hook for me this first episode to me was like a nine out of ten and that's why i'm kind of disappointed because to me the episodes have ticked down a little bit now they're being like i said great things in episodes but there have been some real grown moments for me in this show as well that have brought the score down but this was a quality episode of television period not a quality you know, Disney Plus show, to me, if this was on Sci-Fi Network right. in 2008, before we had all these streaming services, this would be a show that I'd be like, okay, I'm going to watch this on commercial television on, you know, wait every Thursday night to watch it at 9.30 p.m. or whatever. I, I watched episode one, and I thought, oh my gosh, this show's premise, this, uh, just at least episode one, football star, high school-centered, 
got a little bit of that sci-fi, got a little bit of that mystery. I was like, okay, this is screaming RB vibes. He loves anytime Gave there's Riverdale a, vibes. Yeah, Riverdale. Exactly, exactly. Yep, Anything that has to do I with loved. a football I was so star. Excited. Yeah, football star that has something going on in his life. Lots of teen drama going on. RB eats that stuff 100%. up. 100%. Eat it up. Yes, sir. Yeah, so I was like, okay, let's let's get re- reviewing on this one. So, yeah, I loved episode one. I thought it was awesome. Um, shout out to our main character throughout the show um, playing our, our uh, main character's name. Isaiah is his character's name, but I don't yep. remember the actor's Zach name. Morris. Zach Morris. Great, great, good job here as the lead of our show. And um, he's actually one of the most likable actors out of our group that uh, has... We have a pretty strange cast of characters here. Yeah. Some of them I like, some of them I don't like. Uh, That's one of my grown points for this show. I I don't know if I like the main cast as much as I could have, but yeah. Yeah, but I agree. Zach Morris is definitely a a bright spot here. Um, And yeah, I enjoy this. This first episode is definitely, I think, centered around him. Of course, these first four episodes, each episode kind of centers around a different character. I like that. And this is definitely his episode. Uh, And I think, again, to me, this is the standout episode of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I I thought this was a really good episode. And then we get to – so we get the mystery established. We get all the characters, all the pieces in place, if you will. And then we jump back. I almost was like, oh, wait a second. Did I not play episode two? Maybe I just played episode one again. But no, we jump back in time. We get a Mm -hmm. rehash of what a lot of the stuff we saw in episode one. And episode two's title is The Haunted Mask. And RB, Mm -hmm. this is where I'm going to jump in. Because RB, I know that you've read a few of the Goosebumps books. I'm I'm not sure if you watched any of like the older, the old school, like 90s nostalgia show. But um, The Haunted Mask is the best Goosebumps episode from the old show. It is one that I've watched so many times. I, it, cre- it creeped the heck out of me when I was a kid. And it's about, uh, in the original one, was a girl goes to this store trying to scare these bullies that are bullying her. She finds this really scary mask to scare her, and it, stu- and it slowly consumes her personality, taking over her life, ruining her relationship with her parents, ruling her relationship with her friend, turning into an evil monster. Now, I don't know if this show lived up to that or the book, but I did enjoy episode two as well. I thought it was good, but I think that... It left me wanting a little more. I, I wanted a little more of this focused on uh, the mask itself. But, yeah, I did that's, enjoy that's, episode that's two. That's a fair statement. Um, my biggest complaint with this episode was the metamorphosis of our character. I was right. not a big fan of that. I think if you're going to make an episode about a mask, you know, make it so that. And we have the little tease at it at the beginning of the episode where she can't get it off the first yes. time. Make it that she can't get the mask off. Make yes. it that her face forms to the mask don't turn her into this gargoyle i mean i understand because she's the troll online she begins to become the troll again i didn't think that was necessary right that was where it got again and i i think and i'll talk about it in each episode after episode one i think there was a point for me that got a little too far off the rails and that was the point for this one where she starts turning into the troll i think it would have been cooler because we even see her when she goes to to uh to beat up uh, – God, I'm, I'm blanking on the character's names here. I think it's Lucas, yeah. yeah. Going to beat up Lucas um, after he destroys her father's drone, uh, you know, where she has the mask on. She has the hood over it. 
And then in that scene, yeah. she, she, turn, I, she turns into this troll. I think it would have been cooler if it was just her with the mask on with yes. the hood over it. That was, that was scary my problem. Too. Why did we, ha- yeah, yeah. And why did we have to go away from the mask? It's titled The Mask, yeah. Yeah, and one of the best scares they pulled off that I, I got, for lack of a better term, I got goosebumps was when she was, like you said, she had trouble getting the mask off at first. And then mm-hmm. she finally gets it off, and you see that the face changes on the mask. Mm-hmm. That why, would have been cool. If the, yes. Yeah. Why were we not yeah. doing that more? That Agreed. was creepy. Oh, I had totally forgotten about that. But when I was watching the episode, that was exactly a creepy point where I'm like, oh, the mask, you know, has a life of its own. And then it kind of just goes away and goes yeah. more to the mask turns her into a troll. But again, completely lost focus on the mask, which we even see in the first episode. In the opening scene with Biddle, he's taking a picture of that mask before, you know, he gets locked in his basement and the explosion happens. Yeah, and it's such a great design, too. That mask is really, like, you see that and you're like, ooh, I want to know more about this. Where did he get it? Where did he find it? You know, what was this from? You know, like, what's its history? They could have done so much more with this here. So, yeah, this episode, I did see, like, okay, this left me wanting a little more. It wasn't as good as episode one, for sure. Yep. Um, but, yeah, and then we get to episode, and actually, episode two ends with yep. a hell of I'm a cliffhanger. I'm glad you brought it up. Yes, without a doubt. One of, I won't say the biggest jump scares, but just one of the biggest jump scenes I've ever seen. Yes. I was not expecting it at all. Caught me off guard. Pool ball <laughs> jumps off the table, hits one of our characters. James. Uh, James. And he explodes. Yeah. And that's just the end of the episode. Was, great oh my great God. cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, though. I, I think episode three was the weakest of the bunch of these episodes myself. Um, yes and no. Okay. Again, an episode to me that started so strong. Yes. I love the time loop. Incredible. I think this is an incredible sequence. I love the the sort of catch-22 situation. You know, he finally finds a way out of the house, but then we find out that maybe it wasn't him finding a way out, and he's just yeah. another clone, and these are all clones of him created every time he goes through this right. time loop, these splits. And I thought this was an excellent start. And then it gets really stupid. Yeah, and then he's trapped in a mine and all these clones are trying to take over his body and we totally forget the aspect of time travel completely. The time loop mechanic that made this episode so interesting, the cuckoo clock of doom, mm-hmm. gets completely forgotten about. And yep. we turn into this slime fest of them trying to eliminate all these duplicates and, With, of uh, course, yeah. the, the lovely, campy joke every time. Why does he smell like watermelon Jolly Ranchers? Why, Why is that important? That? Stupid. <laughs> and they said it like four times in the episode. Like it was the greatest joke. <laughs> Why is that? It wasn't funny at all. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, not at all. Yeah. So, the, 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 yeah, they let, they let me down a little bit in that one, too. Yeah, like, dude, that's what I feel like. They have a great show here. They just needed to fully commit. If they had done a full episode with the time loop, he's trapped in it. He's trying to find a way out. He's trying to get these different things going to get out of it. You know, and it, there's a, there's room for a fantastic performance because I think the guy that plays James is actually a really good character actor. He has a lot of char- good depth to his character. His mom mm-hmm. doesn't care about him. He's one of only six gay people in the town. There's lots of great background to his character and lots of yep, depth. Absolutely. But it almost gets squandered away by this silly concept of all these duplicates running around a mine. Um, so, yeah, yep. that, that one left totally me a little wanting agree. more. And I, I don't even mind the idea because I thought the idea of the duplicates were great. Once again, yeah. credit 
to our actor there who plays uh, James, Miles McKenna, um, I think does an excellent job portraying yeah. an evil version of himself in these duplicates. Um, but again, yeah, it's just overshadowed by this immature, like you said, slime vest. I feel like I'm in a stupid Nickelodeon <laughs> show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and actually one of the best scenes is, you're right, when he's one of his duplicates is totally derailing his relationships in his life. His friends are all, he's being mean to all his friends. Mm-hmm. Great performance there. Yep. But then again, like I said, it just becomes a slime fest, so yeah. And then we get to this episode that, once again, has a lot of potential, has a lot yep. of a, an emotional storyline behind it. Oh, but yes. It turns into a Stranger Things kind of rip-off Correct. monster at and the end. that is the, yeah, the stupid giant worm monster. We yeah. get here, finally an insight into, I think, our last character who hadn't been really a main character in the group before. Uh, this is Lucas, played by Will Price, and we get more into why he's such a, you know, daredevil, extreme stunt person. We get this emotional story that, you know, his father was a stuntman, died doing this. Uh, you know, this booms of doom uh, yeah. run on his motorcycle. We get, you know, he gets these worms, you know, that, that make him sort of not feel any pain. And, and he goes out to do it. And we get a great confrontation yeah. between him and his mother about what truly happened with his father. And I think this is a powerful, powerful scene. Yeah, and, and he's he dealing up with all the worms. He's dealing with everything. the affair at the same time. Right and the and affair, yeah, between his with Margot's his mother dad. or his yeah his mother and Margot's father exactly, and and there's so much drama there. I was loving all that aspect, but like um, we get like like you said, even the concept of him not feeling pain that was pretty unsettling. How mm-hmm. much is he going to hurt himself? And one thing I do have to praise in the show, RB, they aren't afraid to show gore. That's what I for being a show on Disney, like you said, it's also released on Hulu. They aren't afraid to show a little bit of gore here. I was fine with that. But yep. then it becomes, let's run away from a worm monster. Yeah, yeah. That's where it gets really, really stupid. And yeah. it really... Because it doesn't even touch on... I mean, Zach... I'm sorry, Lucas, not Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas doesn't even get a chance to process the fact that he was just told that his father killed himself. Yeah. He vomits up all the worms, and then we go do worm monster. Yeah, yeah. That exactly. was frustrating to me. Yeah, they, there was so much potential with this storyline to be emotional. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, they yes. kind of threw it away a little there. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And then we get right, so, to episode yes. five. And episode and five, I, I think they really we, start to pick it up. Yeah, we take a positive turn here. For sure, I'll agree with you. And this um, is Margot's episode, pretty much. Yes, yes. And we get... It's Margot's episode, but in reality to me, it's a flashback episode. You know yeah. I'm a sucker for flashback episodes. Oh, yeah. I love this. I thought it was well executed. I love how they execute the flashback. It's not just because when I first started watching this episode and the first time she opens up the scrapbook that you know Mr. Bratt leaves for her um, and she's seeing this, I thought she was just reading it. I didn't realize – the book was actually taking her into it. I thought, oh, she's just reading this and we're seeing it through how she's reading it. I didn't realize until we get to the second flashback that she's actually in. That's cool. That she is being taken into the scrapbook. And, and I how about the great awesome. 90s music soundtrack that oh, is playing? Uh, Any time we have a flashback, yeah, the soundtrack is amazing. And I, 
You know, I had to go back and look for historical accuracy. Hey, did this song come out? You know, this is supposed to be in, you know, what is it, 1993? Yeah. I think, did we get, is that song actually out? Yeah, it's pretty spot on. It's pretty accurate, which I loved. Awesome. I I loved that. And um, one thing I do have to say here, and this speaks to the whole. Like, we talked about how Ahsoka kept leading us on. We wanted more and more and never got it. Well, how about we got this mystery. What's going on with their parents? What's this big secret? And episode five, halfway through the show, we get answers. Thank you. Thank you, writers. Not making us wait until episode 10 to get our answers. I love that. Couldn't agree more with you. I was very satisfied with that. No, but it doesn't answer every question. And that's, right. that's what's special is it doesn't give us everything. And I'm feeling where do we go? Because I still have a lot of questions that we'll talk about as we get to the end of this. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think this also, you know, this is we get finally a full circle on how the parents are involved yes. with Biddle. And I think it's great. I love the flashback sequences. I love the explanation. Um, and we get interest into a case because yeah. we don't see is this this isn't the episode where we see not yet the dummy that's the next episode with where they're still within this scrapbook because then at the end of this episode we get justin long playing mr brat playing uh-huh. biddle playing Bill, who, yeah. by the way has slowly but surely we've been seeing this kind of metamorphosis in his character as he sort of loses his self and biddle becomes more than Brat, which I think Justin Long plays incredibly oh, yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Um, big Justin Long fan, by the way. Me too. I, I've seen him. In a, I, I remember the first time I saw him was in the movie Accepted, which he was awesome in. And then he was the, I'm a Mac and I'm a PC. He was Mac in those. <laughs> and ever since, I've been, I think Justin Long is the greatest. He was in Dodgeball. I love him as an actor. And I think they could not have cast a better person for Mr. Brat. Um, oh, yeah. But at the end of this episode, we finally get him to, to say, you know, hey – do you want to know what happened? You don't want to know what's in the case? And he calls them into the house. We still think – we think now, okay, he – they're out of the scrapbook and he saw this. But in reality, as we find out later, they're still in the scrapbook. Yeah, absolutely. They're still in the scrapbook and they're sitting on this couch. And episode six begins with Biddle slash Brett telling them the entire story of Slappy the Dummy. Yes. And – this is my favorite episode, RB, I have to say. From a stylistic and um, like editorial standpoint, mm-hmm. I love the choice. Every time we go back in time, we get the year in a different font, a, a time-accurate font for like what movies would have been like at that time. Yep, we get the fair. black bars the, on the left and right. Yep, exactly. Yeah, the, the style of the cinematography going from the 60s to the 70s and the high shot, we go – from black and white to Technicolor, but still that grainy film look yes. to the 90s when we get to see the Biddles moving in and uh, Biddle finding, you know, the younger Biddle finding Slappy and into, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, now, my only thing is, and okay. I'm, again, I'm letting them build on this, but I still don't understand, I don't think anyone does, what the dummy's master plan is. What? Right. Besides, oh, he wants to turn the world into puppets i mean that's as far as i've gotten with it right and that was more established in our final episode that we've seen so far episode seven right yeah. now we don't understand what you know there's this big you know payoff that you know first the oldest biddle who was the first to find slappy 
you know, refuses to go go through and buries him in the walls. And then, you know, we continue to, to see this, but we still don't really know what the master plan is with Biddle and with Slappy. And one of the scariest effects I think they pulled off in the show is when um, first it's the uh, elderly uh, Biddle, uh, the magician, mm-hmm. right? The magician. Yep. He turns one of his producers into a doll, but not like a miniaturized version of a doll, but a life-size human doll, yep. like a, a literally a invalid, like literally mm-hmm. like turning people into invalids, which I think is completely horrifying. And the makeup they did on that effect was really good. But later in the episode, Harold Biddle turning his parents into two dolls that he could just have sitting around and control, I think yeah. is a very scary concept. I love that. And this is where I'm curious. You know, this is something that I'm hoping they touch on. Yeah. Because they haven't yet. Where are his parents that are dolls? You know, we see he turns them in. We don't really have a concept of time between that happening and the explosion. Where Mm -hmm. are these dolls and are they going to play a role or were they just, oh, they're dolls. And then they were incinerated in the explosion as well. You know, that's kind of... I feel like, again, we have a lot of untied loose ends. And the show's not over yet, which is fine. But I'm just hoping that we don't leave those out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But overall, I'm like you, RB. I'm a sucker for flashback episodes. I love getting pretty much all of our questions answered. And I love how we have an unreliable narrator here. This is something that is very hard to pull off in a lot of shows and movies where we have – Brat slash Biddle talking about his parents, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, the group's parents. Um, mm. And um, we are seeing that that famous scene, or not the famous, but the recurring scene that we see of them knocking on the door. We And he was, uh, uh, Biddle on the other end of the door was terrified, saying, oh, leave me alone, leave me alone. He thought it was someone haunting him. Whereas on the other end, now we see for the first time in episode six that it was them trying to say, hey, Biddle, you know, get out, get out. We can get you out. You know, help. The door's locked. Help us get out. Help. You know, we'll help you get out. Like they're trying to help him actually yeah, in this yeah. one. And mm-hmm. um, like they say, like we see at the end, his all the, the group themselves saying, well, really, our parents weren't bullies. And then one of my favorite scenes so far is at the end of this episode where Justin Long gets to flex his acting chops and he completely loses his mind turning into Harold Biddle saying no don't you understand they were bullies and he's like literally going crazy I thought that was awesome yeah absolutely absolutely no I think Justin Long is a shining star in this in this show for sure yeah absolutely and then let's talk about episode seven here to cap it off which I thought you know it it moved the story along but just barely (laughs) yeah I was gonna say not much happened in this episode it was a lot to establish a way out of yes. how they're going to get out of this scrapbook. That, that's all that it was. It was a lot of, again, to me, some kind of campy humor. Oh, let's keep hitting him as hard as we can so he ends yeah. up there. Yeah. And, you know, but again, I think Justin Long does a great demonstration, you know, him fighting the biddle inside of him to not, you know, slap himself to get out. You know, I thought that was interesting. And I also thought looking at, you know... As the scrapbook, as this episode ends, of course, you know, the page in the scrapbook is thrown into the water and, you know, this world that they're in starting to melt because the ink is starting to wash away. I thought that was some cool visuals. And again, another excellent cliffhanger to leave us on this episode. Yeah, excellent cliffhanger, excellent visuals. 
But I also have to say, huge negative in this episode. One of the most random, awkward, out-of-place scenes I've ever seen in a show. Colin, which is uh, Margot's dad, yep. showing up to Ben's house. Two characters that we have not seen any interaction between at all before. Shows up to Ben's house, literally just walks in the door, starts talking about his relationship problems, and the scene only serves as a way to get Ben involved in the uh, yep. story now. Get him Without out of that house and get him involved in the story. zero sense, yes. There is no <laughs> establishment they're friends. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with you. They kind of hint at, well, that he's the town handyman, and he right. knocks in and says, oh, I'm asking for help, but I wish it was on my, you know, on my... I forget what he says, on my drain gutters or something, but really yeah. it's about relationships, and he just walks in. <laughs> um, ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's all. Uh, that's all, pretty much all I have to say about Episode 7. I mean, the journey into the 1990s high school at the bottom of the Dark Abyss um, served as, like you said, maybe a tease of the uh, Slappy's larger plan Ultimate to turn planning. the entire town into dummies, yeah. I guess. That is that maybe his big plan is that's, that's kind of what I'm getting, yeah. Just to control all the humans in this town and just be the I, I guess, master me, instead of the puppet. That's kind of you know a, a term that you love to use so much that makes him kind of a a mustache twirler villain. Oh, I right. want to turn everyone into puppets. I mean, that's kind of stupid. What does that achieve? Yeah, I, I'd love and and one thing I'd love is that we're only on episode seven. We still have eight, nine, and ten. I'd love to get a story showing how Slappy was made. Why is he haunted like this? Why does he feel this way? Is it because he keeps getting thrown away? Is that why he wants revenge on humans? I mean, I, I can only assume it's not stated in the show at all. I mean, yeah, there, there are a ton of, to me, loose ends that they have left that need to be tied up. And they. I, my biggest fear is that they won't. I mean, let's talk yeah. about them. You, you just hit a lot of the major ones here. But how about my follow-ups? You know, I, I want to know what happened to the Biddle parents, you know? Yes. And are, are is this salvageable you know them them you know they're puppets you know can they be revived and so that's number one two we see that the evil thing that's possessing biddle in his life is slappy why are all these other things possessed we have not touched on that why are the worms possessed because we see the worms you know that that's something that biddle plays with before slappy comes around we don't get any origin to the mask. It's just in that basement. He's taking pictures of it, but we don't really get any origin. The camera. The camera is something that he had before Slappy. That was his thing. His dad bought it for him, and he joins photography club. That's how he becomes friends with, uh, with uh, you know, two of the parents, for sure. You know, there are just so many. Why are these things possessed? Because we've only had one thing that's possessed, and that's Slappy. Why right. are other things now possessed? That's that's my biggest question. Yeah, I, other than the fact that they were just Harold's objects and that he died and that his spirit is using them. But, I mean, like you said, Arby, we have the puzzle pieces here. I just want them to connect a lot like you do as well. I want them and to And my be, fear is with three yeah. episodes, we may not have enough time to touch on all of this. It's this is possible. the kind of show yeah. that, quite frankly... And again, the way they're doing it, where they're naming each episode based off of a book, and obviously there were like 50 Goosebumps books. Oh, so they many. They could be setting us up for another season. Yeah, I hope they aren't. I hope and, that they bring us to a nice conclusion. Again, if, if we don't 
Did you say you hope we they are or aren't? I'm sorry. Oh, I hope they aren't. I hope that we get a nice conclusion here. Okay, see, and my, my statement is if we don't get all these loose ends tied up, I'm begging for a second season so we can okay. because yeah. I'm going to be so frustrated if they answer, you know, the one major question, what's Slappy's plan, why is he possessed, and, you know, how they're going to destroy him, and they leave all these other questions unanswered, I'm just going to be pissed off. Yeah, the whole thing about how Slappy can't die uh, because he can't be burned. Right? Right, right, and then one thing that was weird too is in the flashback episode. All of a sudden, Ben just knows he just out of nowhere says, "Oh, he won't. We can't throw him in the fire. He won't burn." How does he know that? Yeah, yeah. For me, for well, me, we, at least we, that we caught do, me off guard. We do also. I mean, a major question that I, I keep forgetting to to bring up too is, um, and I'm, I gotta pull up her name because I keep I keep blanking on it, but. Um, the mother who owns the coffee shop, she's, she's yeah, having Nora. an affair with Colin. Nora, Nora thank you, yeah. Um, Nora, to me there's more of a connection between Nora and Biddle than anyone else. And what is that connection? You know, yes, I understand she's the first to see Slappy talk, but how come she, unlike anyone else, is able to see him on the football field that first night? Is that a key? Obviously she's been a centering character, as has... Um, as has Margot's mom, who, you know, we call, you know, obviously she was the one who was closest to Biddle. I guess those two were. Right. But, I mean, she call, she gets called in, she says her part, and in, and that's it? Is that all we're going to get from that character? Right. Right. Yeah, she, was, she was calling Nora in Episode 7 when uh, Biddle, is, Biddle as Brat is following him, uh, her in the car. And, um, of course, like, where's all that leading? She's taking... Yep. Uh, Nora is taking the dummy to her family cabin. Right. I and feel if like I'm not mistaken, he's in pieces, correct? Yeah. We established that because that's what Colin asked. Did you guys run over someone's doll before? And that's right. what sparks Ben to go out after him. Go out after Nora. Exactly. Or yeah. go, go to the mine, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. We'll, we'll see where this goes. They have three episodes, which is more than we can say we were. I, I remember you saying at the end of Ahsoka, RB, you're saying we only have one episode left and so many questions. At yep. least we have three here. At least we have three. Yep. So, so the final yeah. three episodes titled You Can't Scare Me, Night of the Living Dummy Part 2, and Welcome to Horrorland. Of course, all also Goosebumps novel names. Um, Horrorland again, is know, a scary I, one. I read... So many of these, and I have very little recollection <laughs> of any of them. Uh, again, it, it must have been I was in fourth or fifth grade. So right. what, what was that? I was eight or nine years old. So yeah, fifteen years ago, sixteen years ago, something like that. But I have zero recollection of any of them. So I'm glad that you have more of a memory, or you watched because I never watched like the '90s ones. You know, I think I may have seen one or two when they would play them during Halloween on like Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad you have more of a memory of them because. You know, I wouldn't have even remembered. I was trying to remember, wait, were these all connecting stories in the books? They weren't, right? They were all kind no. of one-offs. Okay, I just wanted yeah. to make sure that, it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Goosebumps is an anthology series in both the books and the original show, which is one of the most impressive things, I think, at, at the end of this. In the end, I think it's very impressive that the writers behind this show were able to make a nice little narrative connecting all these books together making some tissue in between and bringing them into one world. And yeah, one I thing agree. I do want to ask you, RB, um, 
and I'm very curious to see what you think. I've, I've read a couple reviews of this show. I wanted to read some before we talked about it. A lot of people just writing this show off as a Stranger Things ripoff. What are your thoughts about that? You know, I'm not a big Stranger Things fan. Right, right. So I have no problem in agreeing with that in saying that it's another kind of coming-of-age meets horror show. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree. Now, I do think that Stranger Things, because it takes place in the 80s and has the Cold War politics in it, it's a little bit more complex yes, than this. Definitely. This is definitely geared towards a younger audience. I think Stranger Things, albeit our main characters are in their, you know, their teens, is more an adult show. Yeah. And we get that as well with David Harbour's character and Winona Ryder's character. You know, we have adult relationships as well. Whereas I think even though we do have adult relationships in this show, it's all about the kids. Um, yeah. But I, I would definitely say it's made in the vein of that. And seeing how successful Stranger Things has been, I wouldn't be surprised if the showrunners of Goosebumps use that as a loose inspiration. And I, again, have no problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see the similarities there. I see them trying to bank off of Stranger Things popularity. But then again, I also feel like they did a nice job here of staying mostly true to the books and updating the parts that needed to be updated, um, especially the part with the camera, right? The, the whole thing centering around the high school and the football team, the way that they updated things with um, the, the, I'm sorry, the scrapbook, the scrapbook. I was drawing a blank for a second. Mm-hmm. The scrapbook episode. They did a nice job of using that as the connective tissue of solving this season-long mystery. I think they did a good job of integrating that. So I, I do I give them praise in that aspect, despite them clearly trying to make a group of five kids that are solving mysteries that their parents are also involved in, which is exactly like Stranger Things. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, the, the comparisons are definitely ha- have some merit, but I'm having a good time watching Goosebumps. I want to see, much like you, Arby, I want to see where we're going to go, what questions are going to be answered. Are we going to have a, a season two? Um, let us know what you think uh, in uh, the comments on our podcast, what you think about Goosebumps so far, where you think it's going to go, is there going to be season two? All of that. Um, you can also check out our letterbox accounts down below. We are rating stuff down there. Always checking that out. RB loves making lists on there. And, um, yeah, it, it, do you want to give some shout-outs to our uh, past episodes, stuff to come? Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, Rick and Morty uh, debuted a few weeks back. So we have our impressions on the season premiere. Of course, when the season ends we'll do a full recap of this pat this new season of rick and morty of course minus justin roiland um but so far i think it's off to a good start i'm a big fan uh what else what else have we done only murders in the building as you had alluded to earlier dom as well as uh gosh what else did we do last week because i know we did a two-parter only murders in the building and help me out here we did rick and morty we have haunted mansion haunted mansion thank you yes haunted mansion that was our other halloween episode um, coming up, definitely going to get a review when you get a chance to finish uh, Ted Lasso, Dom. Uh, and then, of course, just so many good movies getting ready to come out as we get into that Thanksgiving, Christmas time films. Um, just a couple to highlight. Killers of the Flower Moon out in theaters now. I'm going to get a chance to see that this week. Really excited about it. 
um, coming out in November. The uh, Hunger Games prequel, uh, the Ballad of Songbirds snakes and, and Snakes. Songbirds, Songbirds yeah. and Snakes. There we go. A uh, Wonka with Timothy Chalamet. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 origin story of Willy Wonka and his chocolate factory. Very excited for Me that too. one. That's hitting theaters this year. The Marvels, the list goes on and on. And of course, Loki. Um, we keep forgetting about Loki, but Loki yeah. is rolling out on Disney Plus, and we'll get your review once that is completely out. But so far, so good. My review from Loki. I don't know if you had a chance to see the first couple of episodes, Tom, but I'm a big fan. I think Disney Plus, at least with the MCU shows, is getting back on the rails and nice. more towards the story as we build up. To uh, to the Avengers, what what is what's the name of the two the new next oh, two Avengers the, films? The King King Dynasty, King Dynasty, and the Secret Wars. Wars. Some yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah, I think we're back on the rails, building up to that. What we will not be reviewing is Werewolf by Night in color. Very lazy, <laughs> very disappointed with you, Disney MCU. Yeah. That's what you get from us literally took away the one thing that made that movie unique absolutely absolutely <laughs> so uh with that said uh everybody happy halloween and we'll see you on the next episode of top of the list later everybody <laughs>